Um, you may not be able to guess this, but I was never a runner. Um, and it wasn't really for any way. It wasn't that I couldn't run. I could run. And I ran at short distances, but I was never a long distance wasn't in me for some reason. And my reason was I would always just give up. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun for me anymore, and, and so I, I stopped. I found that when I was trying to do things under, under my own willpower and my, under my own determination, that determination somewhere stopped because that wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to do necessarily. You know, we are in our series this week that we started last week, Elijah, Faith, Fire, and Frustration. And last week, we were looking at Elijah on the mountain. We are looking, we were looking at the battle, the showdown with the prophets of Baal, the, the, the comic story there, the power that came, the, everything that was going on. We, we saw that. Elijah had won. He had slaughtered the prophets. He expected revival. And with revival, the return of rain. See, I didn't speak a lot on the last week, but Israel had been in a drought for three and a half years. A severe drought. No rain. Not just, oh, it was a drought where occasionally we get a little bit of rain. They had had no rain for three and a half years. Things had dried up. Things were gone. That was one of the reasons why Israel was so shocked when Elijah said, just douse it with water. And then douse it with water again. And then douse it with water again. Because they were going, wait a minute, water is a precious commodity. What's going on? And so when Elijah did this, it was in the middle of the drought. And sometimes I think our lives are that way. Sometimes our lives are in the middle of a drought. The times where it seems dry, like the blessings have quit flowing. The times where maybe it seems like God has quit listening. Sometimes you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I just feel so far away from God. I mean, I think if we're all honest, there are times in our lives where we feel that way. Where we feel like, wait a minute, what, what's going on? I pray and it stops at the ceiling. It doesn't go any further. I don't feel like I want to be joyful. I don't feel like I'm getting all the things that I'm supposed to get. The times when, when things are bad, <coughs> when, when there's no studs to be found to put up a light fixture, when, it's a long story about that, but, but when, when things are going bad and you find your frustration levels at this, at this peak and you don't know how to deal with it and you don't know what to do with it, you find those situations in, and sometimes they're extended. Sometimes they seem to go on forever. It's funny how the good times always seem to go by so fast, but the bad times seem to drag on. They're just, oh my goodness, if I could ever get ahead. You ever felt like that? If I could ever get ahead, if I could just pay this, I would be good. But there's always something else to pay down the line, right? If I could always get to this point, something would be better. And so we all find ourselves at times in, in spiritual droughts, in places where we have not felt the reign of God for, for a long time. You know, last week we sang showers of blessing, and I went, oh, that's a week early. Because I knew what was coming this week. And I was thinking, wow, that song really fits. Because as we read our text this morning, it picks up right where we left off last week there in 1 Kings chapter 18. 
And Elijah has just ordered the slaughter of the prophets of Baal. And he seizes them, and Elijah brings them down and slaughters them there. And then in verse 41 of chapter 18 of 1 Kings, it says, Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of a rainstorm. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the summit of Carmel. He bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go up and look toward the sea. And so he went and looked, and there was nothing. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. And on the seventh time he reported, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand coming from the sea. Then Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, get your chariot ready and go down so the rain doesn't stop you. In a little while the sky grew dark with clouds and wind and there was a downpour. So Ahab got in his chariot and went to Jezreel. The power of the Lord was on Elijah and he tucked his mantle under his belt and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. I'll be asking right now to take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Elijah speaks to Ahab in faith. Remember last week when the chapter started, God comes to Elijah and says, Go speak to Ahab because I'm going to send a rain. And so Elijah, after this showdown on Mount Carmel, after this showdown with these prophets, he speaks to Elijah in faith. You know, only believers can hear the beginnings of the work of God. You know, there are times when, when we are living in the Spirit and we are hearing what God is doing, we begin to hear those rumblings in that spiritual realm. We begin to see the signs that God is fixing to move. We begin to see the signs that God is going to do something. And only believers can do that. Because if you don't have the Spirit, and you're not living in a relationship with God, you can't see those signs. You can't see the things the way that they happen. Because the truth is, interpretation will always come into play. We can look at the same signs and see things different ways. And someone who is not within the body of Christ will not see the signs that God gives as this is God. When you begin to see... You know, the things the Bible talks about, you go, oh. One of the things that happened in the New Testament before Jesus came was very easy. What happened? We had this prophecy of, of, of John the Baptist who was going to come and turn the hearts of the sons back to the fathers. And so when people begin to see these things, we begin to see what's going to happen. You know, the disciples got excited on Palm Sunday. Why did they get excited? Well, Jesus said... Go into town and find this donkey for me that I'm going to ride in. They knew the prophecy. They knew the sign to look for. And so they got excited on that Sunday morning. Woo! Man, he's going to do it. He's going to take over and put his kingdom in place. And they were excited. Believers understand the signs. And so Elijah speaks to Ahab in faith. And he says, eat and drink. Do as you would do before the drought. Because there is the sound of an abundance of rain. No one else heard this. I mean, no one else heard this. I know, most of you probably don't watch Gilmore Girls, but if you're a young girl, you may have watched it. <laughs> I don't think you've ever seen it, sister, but 
In Gilmore Girls, the main character, there is a scene almost every every season, I believe, where she sits there and she'll open the window and smell and she goes, it's going to snow. And every weatherman in the world saying there's no snow in the forecast. Everybody else is saying, I don't hear it, but she knows it's going to snow. And guess what? By the end of that day, it ends up snowing. Every episode it happens, that's what happens. Because she understands. Elijah here was sitting there and he, he knew rain was coming. He knew it. Nobody else was hearing it. Nobody else knew what was going on. They were just kind of oblivious. And Elijah said, Ahab, go. Eat. Drink. Get yourself ready. Do what you would do before the drought. Only Elijah. This was a sound caused by faith. A message directly from God for the ears of the faithful. In those times in our lives when God will speak to us when we are listening, we'll just stop. Sometimes God will speak to us and say, something's coming. Something's going to happen. I don't know how many times I've been around people on mission trips or wherever else, and God will impress upon me that this person is going to be a, 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 an evangelist. This person is going to be a youth leader. This person is going to be a musician. And I mean, and I'm like, man, I want to tell them, but God's like, it's not your place. I can hear the beginnings. I can see it happening. I can see the spark. I can see the fire. I know what's going to happen. But yet God pulls me back. Because when God begins to work in our lives, if we'll let him, he will speak to us. He'll tell us of the blessing of a job. He'll expect us to act on it. Now, and I know I've told you the story before. On that Sunday, we came here and viewed the call. I'm honest. We didn't think we were coming that Sunday. I know that sounds backwards to most people because usually, viewed the call, you've already made your mind up. But we were comfortable. Comfortable. You know how comfort gets, right? You get comfortable. It's my seat, it's my pew, it's the way I do things. It's comfortable. And as we were sitting there and I look over at Carrie as we're singing that morning, and I saw it in her eyes, and I went, you hadn't told me yet, God. That's just kind of how it was. And there was a moment, and I was up here preaching, and I thought, I swore that I paused for like a minute and a half. Carrie said she didn't realize it, but I felt like it was dragged on. When God said, okay, this is it. And I can hear it. I don't know. I think maybe y'all heard it. Y'all voted, so. But I know that I heard it at that moment. And that's how God will work in our lives. And when He tells us these things, and He whispers these things, and He allows us to know, He expects us to act on it in faith. Elijah knows the sound of rain. He knows what's coming. And he says to Ahab, get up, eat, and drink. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah heard the voice and he declared the rain before the rain appeared. Believers must declare the promises of God to a world who cannot see those promises. We live in a world that is fallen apart and broken. They desperately need the promises of God. They need to know the promises that God has given to those who follow him. They need to understand those things. And if we are not declaring those promises to a world who can't see them, we are failing. You know, as we were singing... One of those last songs, and it said, You will, you, you, you take my sickness and heal all my pain. You know, Wednesday night, we finally got around to the Bible study that I've been had on a paper in my Bible for seven weeks. I don't know why it took me seven weeks, or I didn't until this morning. Because it was the name Yahweh Rophe, or Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals me. 
a God who heals. He is a God who steps in. That's a promise that the world needs to know. The world needs to understand that. He didn't keep the promise. Elijah didn't keep the promise of God to himself. He could have said, ha ha, I've got a secret. He didn't do that. He blurted it out. He told people, he put his neck on the line by claiming that God had promised rain before that rain materialized. This is an act that brings hope. How often do we do things that bring hope? That's the key here. When believers declare the promises of God to a world who can't see them, we bring hope. I think sometimes our promise that we wish for things or we hope for things, but we never declare what God has for us. Now, we could look around in our world today. Churches are in a drought brought on for so many different reasons. And it's, and it's not just this past year. Churches have been in a drought for a while. Things have, 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 have had a, a, a rough time in our society. Our society is tough on churches. It just is. It's hard to, to do the things that, that we're called to do. But we whine and we complain about these things when we don't have enough people. It's not like it used to be. I wish we could blank. We can't blank. But do we seek God and claim His promises? And do we <laughs> say, eat and drink and get prepared because there's a sound of the abundance of rain? One of my favorite shows, movies, is it just went out of my head. <laughs> Facing the Giants. I want to say that. Facing the Giants. And there is a scene there in that movie where a man from the church, we don't know if he's a pastor or a deacon or what, but he is walking through the halls of that high school praying over every locker. And, and the man is, the coach is there in his office and he stops to talk to him and the coach is concerned about things and the man says to him, there are two farmers who are believing God for rain. One farmer who sits in his house and prays for it and one farmer who goes out and prepares the fields for rain. Who's actually trusting God? The truth of the matter is, we have to be willing to declare these things. Do we declare the promises of Scripture? Do we declare the things that, that Scripture has promised us? And Isaiah 54, 54 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains back wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your core. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. We have to have the faith to declare God's promises before they appear, and then do what Elijah did. Now, let me clarify on this. Last week I talked about name it and claim it. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm not talking about those things that put it out there and say, I want a Mercedes and God's going to give me a Mercedes. I need $10,000 for this. God's going to give me $10,000 for this. I'm going to pass that test. And so God's going to pass the test. That's not what I'm talking about. When you look at name it and claim it things, the promises they are claiming are never about them, it's always about me. The promises we're talking about here that we speak out to people are things that are for the building up of others. They're for making other people where God wants them to be. And look what Elijah does here. He actively prays. Believers must actively pray to receive the things that God has promised. Get this. God had 
promised Elijah it was going to rain. Elijah still prayed for rain. Mm, think about that for a minute now. Let that settle in. Soak that in for one second. This, this, our prayer has nothing to do with the fact of whether or not we are trusting God. It has to do with the fact that we already believe He's going to give us what He promised. It has to be with us tuning our heart to God's heart. He wasn't praying because he was afraid God wasn't going to do what God said he was going to do. He prayed because he knew that God would do what he said he was going to do. His prayer was a prayer of faith saying, I trust that God has told me this is what's going to happen, so I'm going to pray for it because I already know. And he actively prayed. If we want to receive the things God has promised, we have to, we have to actively pray. Elijah went, it says, and put his head between his knees to pray. I can't do that. I can lay flat prostrate, but I can't put my head between my knees to pray. Most of us can't pray that way. Most of us can't pray any sinners that way for five minutes. <laughs> Elijah prayed with an attitude and an earnestness that was unmatched. Is that the prayer that we have? Do we have an attitude of expectancy? Because Elijah got down and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and then he says to his servant, go and look. Go and look and tell me about the things that God is doing. And his servant went and he said, yeah, there's nothing. Can you see the devil at work here? The devil's working. He's just defeated the prophets of Baal. He's just had his greatest victory. God has promised rain. Elijah has proclaimed that it's going to rain. And he goes and he prays and he's like, yes, now's the time. Go and look and see. And his servant says, there's, there's nothing. How did that mess with his mind? Elijah could have said, okay, <coughs> I give up. Could have said, I tried. <laughs> could have stopped there. He could have done what we do, giving up at the first time that isn't working. How many, how many things have we stopped in our lives and in our church lives at the first science number? Some of our greatest victories happen after we've struggled through what looks like something that's not working. The greatest victories. Sometimes you have to struggle through the hard part to get to the good part. We live by faith, not only by sight. In order to live in the blessings of God, we have to believe in His promises even when there's an absence of proof. Elijah believed. There was nothing that he still believed. So what did he do? Elijah kept praying. He kept praying. He didn't give up. He kept asking. He kept interceding. He kept praying. And he told his servant seven times to go back. He'd pray a while. God, we're waiting for the rain. I know you promised it. Here it is. God, bring me the rain. And then he would say, go check. And he'd come back. And he'd be like, yeah, there's nothing. He probably got old. Probably got discouraged, and the servant probably started going, This is stupid. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go halfway and come back and tell him, you know. And he kept on praying, and he kept on believing, and he kept on watching. And then his servant came back that last time and he said, Well, you know, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand out there. The size of a man's hand. <laughs> Sometimes 
the answer to prayer can come from a small star. The seventh time when he comes back, there's a cloud forming the size of a man's hand. Not a big thunderstorm. Not a small cloud. A cloud the size of a man's hand. Sometimes the start is small, but the blessing is big. We overlook small starts sometimes because we want the big blessing. We overlook the small things. We overlook the little things that happen because we want the big things. We, we look back at, at Acts and we look at the day of Pentecost and we go, 5,000 people were saved. We should have that. You know, one person comes. The Bible tells us there is a party in heaven. People are rejoicing. A small start sometimes brings big things. I've heard testimony about the community food pantry. It didn't start very big, did it? A couple of families. Three. <laughs> and now, how many? Small start. Big blessing. We can't overlook that. Sometimes the biggest blessings come from small starts. Elijah could have gotten mad. <laughs> he could have said, God, a small cloud is not an abundance, and I promised an abundance. It's a small cloud. We could get mad because a good reputation doesn't fill the pews. We could get mad because our events aren't showing the immediate fruit that we want to see. But those things are just the start. Those are just a cloud the size of a man's hand. Just as the abundance of rain started with that cloud, God's vision for the church may start with small things, and it probably will. But Elijah saw or heard about that small cloud. And what did he do? He acted on the small things. He said, go and tell Ahab to hitch up and go on and ride off to Jezreel. Because guess what? If he don't, he's going to get stuck by the time he gets there. Small cloud. There's been a drought. When rain starts falling on a drought ground, it soaks it up. You're not really going to get stuck unless it's a whole lot of rain. And Elijah said, go tell him to hitch up. Tell him to go. Tell him to get. Tell him to get on down the road. Because if he doesn't get on down the road, he is not going to get back. He didn't wait for the rain to materialize. <laughs> he didn't wait for the first drops to start. He didn't wait for the lightning to come across the sky. He didn't wait for the cloud to get bigger. He didn't wait for it to turn black. He didn't wait for any of those things. He acted and reacted to the small start. Our problem is, we want the big start before we act or react. We want the big thing to happen, and then I'll act. Then I'll do what God has called me to do. If God will do the big thing, I will do the small thing. That's a little backwards. Maybe we should start moving when God says the small thing and say, okay, God, if you'll do this little thing, I'll do this big thing. Because we build a wall up and we say, well, I can't because I haven't seen the proof yet. I, I just don't know that it'll work. Well... You know, a chili cook-off sounds good, but I don't really know that's going to do anything. Eh, we tried that before, and it didn't work. You, you do realize that 2021 is different from 1981. I, I just thought we should throw that out there just as, as a comparison. You know, most of us have more power in the palm of our hand today than they had in two rooms of the building back in 1981. It's just the truth. Things work differently. Elijah acted on the small things, and, and we have to act on the small things. 
His obedience did what? It brought forth the abundance of rain. Because he was obedient. Because he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And then the last thing Elijah did, he submitted himself to the Holy Spirit. He tucked his cloak into his belt and he beat Ahab's chariot to Jezreel. That was a 25 mile trip. He ran 25 miles faster than the chariot being pulled by a horse. He submitted himself to the Holy Spirit. He outran horses. He outran a chariot. God is in the business of doing impossible things. He's in the business of doing things that we could never imagine. We've got to quit being afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit. We're sometimes afraid to feel it. We're afraid to, to, let, it, to let it have a little control. Now at the risk, we sounded like a, a wild-eyed, charismatic We've got to realize that the power of God throughout history has only shown itself when faithful followers of God allowed the Spirit to move in power in their lives. In the Old Testament, you have people like Samson. Samson, in the end, was a despicable character. But when the Spirit came upon him, he did some pretty crazy and mighty things. Elijah just outran a chariot about 25 miles. Elisha, he does some crazy things. You get over there in the second king story things that Elisha does and you're going, what? When God sends his power upon these people, we see something change. John the Baptist, Jesus himself, Peter on the day of Pentecost, Paul and John the Revelator in the Protestant Reformation, including the early Baptists and Methodists, and all those others. The first and second great awakenings. And even today, God's power is only shown when believers in Jesus the Christ of God allow His Holy Spirit to indwell and empower their lives on an uncomfortable and scary level. Okay. We know the name Jonathan Edwards. I don't mean the, the socket medium on TV these days. I mean the guy from back in good old colonial days who preached those sermons like sinners in the hands of an angry God. Do you realize how long that sermon was? Hours. No air conditioning. No nothing. Just hours of preaching that God was going to get you because you were a sinner. That doesn't fly today. Man, God was working through him. People got saved. People learn to follow. When God begins to move in our lives, it's uncomfortable and it's scary. At Professor, we always used to say that when God works in the lives of humans, it's always muddy and it's always bloody. In Genesis, he reached in and before man on the cross, he shed his blood. God always works in that way in our lives. We all experience spiritual droughts. But we can learn from Elijah how to overcome those times. We need to listen and watch for the signs of the movement of God that only believers can hear. Our problem is we sit around and we and we we are so concerned and we complain about the things that aren't happening that we forget to see the things that are happening. We forget to see the little things. The small little movements of God in our lives on a daily basis. 
Have you noticed how green things are becoming? It's every year, right? But a couple of weeks ago, did you imagine the green would make you so happy? I'm just saying. I mean, we looked out and it was so wide and you couldn't do anything, and now you're going, I don't even care that I gotta mow my yard. Right? Because it's it's growing and it's green, and it reminds me of life. Those are little miracles, little reminders from God that things are occurring, that things are happening. We have to declare these promises of God for unbelievers to hear. That God is a God of healing. That God is a God of provision. That God is a God of love. That God doesn't let you walk alone and do anything. There are so many promises that this book contains that a dying world needs to know. They need to know that they're not alone in this mess. That God never intended them to be alone. That He wants to walk with them and He'll go with them in everything that they do. We need to know that. And we need to tell the world that. Because that is a hope for a dying world. We have to actively pray for the will of God. That is so important. Elijah actively prayed for something he knew God had already promised. How often do we pray for things that we know that God has already promised? Why is it that when God answers our prayer, we stop praying about that thing? Think about that. God, please help me get through this trial. And then I get to the trial and I'm like, okay, I'm through the trial. Do I pray that God continues to help me in those trials? Do I pray that God continues to help me in that? Are we praying actively about everything? And we have to act on the small things, on the little bitty things. Even, even, when, even when it seems like there's not much. I'll tell a story. Probably a video about it somewhere, I don't know. You ever been to West Texas? You're in a drought there pretty much all the time. It's just drought. And it had been months since we had any rain. And one morning, I don't know why. I think, it's, I, think I do know why. I got up, and I grabbed an umbrella, and I went to church Sunday morning. I preached with an umbrella in my hand. <laughs> and when we opened the doors at the end, I stood at the back to shake hands. When we opened the doors at the end of service, it was raining. <laughs> we have to act on small things. Sometimes it's the nudging of the Spirit telling you to do something. Sometimes it's, it's God saying, okay, do this. And you're going, that sounds absolutely insane, God. Why would I do that? You know, you get up early to leave the house on time, to be somewhere on time, which is a rarity when you have kids, right? And then you're ready and you're already going out the door. You stop and you say, well, let's do this first. And you, and you don't know why you're doing it, but it's just something that has to be done in that moment. And it, it has to, you never know what God's protecting you from. You never know. We have to listen to the prompting of the Spirit and act on the small things, the little things. When, when, when God brings someone to the faith, that's, that's not a small thing, but in our lives, in the overall aspect, it seems like it is sometimes. Do we act on that? Do we surround those people with people who love on them, who uplift them, who help them, so that they can know? Maybe this morning, you've been 
resistant to the Spirit. You've been resistant to let the Spirit do what the Spirit's going to do. Maybe you haven't been listening to the little things of God. Maybe you've been in a spiritual drought and you've been wondering where God is because every time you pray it just seems to stop and you know that God has promised things but you don't know why He's not hearing it. Maybe today is the day that you're going to say, okay God, I'm tired of this drought. I'm ready for the rain. I'm ready for the showers of blessing. I am ready for you to open up the heavens and let me have it. How's the time? Maybe you want to pray. The altar is open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve a mission or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you don't have that relationship so you can't hear the beginnings of the things of God. You can't hear when He's fixing the move and He's not telling you not to do things or telling you to do things. Now's the time because we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised this afternoon. We're promised right now. Make the decision today to follow Jesus. Wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.